Welcome to the second episode of Screen Run. I'm your host, the Lady One, and I'm here with Chris Galzo. Pow pow. <laughs> so Screen Run is the show where we cover the works of one particular artist per season, and season one is all about Kevin Smith. In our first episode, we talked about Clerks, Smith's first movie that broke him into the biz. The success of that film is the reason he got to make the movie we're talking about today, Mallrats. I've never met a person who lives in as much fear of his mother as you do. You know what I should tell my mother what we do in here at night? What, that you play video games and I fall asleep unfulfilled? Oh, she calls you callow in here. You say that like it's bad. Well, it means frightened and weak will. That was the only part of the letter I thought was complimentary. This is Brody's private hell. Where the hell did that come from? What's going on here? And these... Brody man, Nietzsche Nochies! ...are his friends. Ow! Oh, sorry. It's all right. What's a stink palm? Take your hand, you stick it like this. Uh, there, now you shake hands with the guy. You know how long it takes for that smell to come off? <laughs> if you stare at these things long enough, you're supposed to see some kind of hidden three-dimensional picture. Oh, yeah, look, it's a sailboat. You saw it too, damn it! We, uh, we slept together one time, remember, in high school, that, that ski trip? That was you? So Mallrats was released in 1995 and like Clerks is a day in the life of two friends, T.S. and Brody, who start the day getting dumped by their respective girlfriends, Brandy and Renee. Brody's method of dealing with trauma is a trip to the mall. I love the smell of commerce in the morning. When they arrive, they realize the dating show Brandy will be appearing on, produced by her father, is going to be recorded at that very mall. So they decide to ruin it and task Jay and Silent Bob with the mission, and hijinks ensue. So tying this to the View Universe, this film takes place the day before Clerks. It is technically a prequel of sorts. So when the movie begins, we find out Julie Dwyer, who was supposed to be on the dating show, died the night before while swimming laps because T.S. told her the camera adds 10 pounds. It is her wake that Dante and Randall are attending the next day when infamously Randall knocks her body out of the casket. So, so I want to interrupt you right there. So yes. have you seen the extended version of Mallrats, the full two plus hour version and not the uh, slick and clean 94 minute version? <laughs> not in a long time. Okay, because we're going to talk about that a little bit, because the yeah. opening and the why we are where we are mm -hmm. is entirely different. Totally. So please continue more. I want to hear more <laughs> about Minnesota, Mall yes. Rats, the Eden Prairie Mall. Talk to me. <laughs> so the movie is shot at the Eden Prairie Mall in Minnesota, but it's intended to be New Jersey, I guess, reasonably close to the quick stop. And I would say arguably our main characters went to the same high school as Dante and Randall since they mentioned the party where uh, Gwen and Rick Darris had sex on the pool table. And Rick Darris is a quick stop customer who mocks Dante's lack of physical prowess when he sighs, lifting a gallon of milk. <laughs> Sounds to me like somebody needs to hit the gym. Excuse me? I heard you strain when you picked up that milk. It can only weigh seven pounds. I didn't strain, I sighed. I don't think so. That was a grunt. A deep inhalation of oxygen to aid in the stretching of muscles. I'm a trainer. I know what that sound signifies. You're out of shape. So, so are, am I the only person that whenever I see the word Minnesota, I instantly think of Jesse Ventura? Like, <laughs> no. Minnesota. 
Minnesota. I can't say it. I'm no J- James. At, what is it? Adam. Adomian. Adomian. Thank you. But I, whenever I see that word, I instantly go to Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Continue. I know this is very Fantastic. important about mall rats. Yes. Yeah. Minnesota is huge. Minnesota. Um. <laughs> So the success of Clerks is how and why Kevin Smith got to make Mallrats. He was tasked by Universal. They're like, make a movie about two guys again. So he wrote the movie after getting the deal and actually got criticized for staying on a panel when he was going through kind of all his post-Clerks press. Um, You know, I'll do whatever the studios want me to do as long as I can keep making movies. And then that was kind of used against him in the bad reviews of this movie. Like, oh, well, that's what he did. That's why this movie is no good. There's a lot of, I guess... In hindsight, you can call it kind of lukewarm reviews, but at the time it seemed pretty damning regarding this movie when it came out. It only made like $2 million at the box office. Well, yeah, I listened to this with the the commentary, right? And they talk about that. And they seem to feel, Kevin Smith and crew, was a Gramercy didn't really know how to promote the film. And they didn't yeah. really have or have the capacity to do so. It reminded me of the Mystery Science Theater movie, which I believe was also produced by Gramercy. And of course, that <laughs> had a very poor rollout as well. So yeah. it does have a 56% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, though. Granted, it's this is grandfathered stuff in, right? A lot of these reviews, some of them are contemporary. Some of them are for the time. A lot of them, the early aughts. Um, yeah. That's off of 45 reviews as well. All right. So I don't want to talk too much about my feelings about the film i was i think i I mentioned in clerks our clerks discussion that i was not the hugest fan of mall rats yeah i felt too darn silly no i I wish (laughs) no i felt that it was just a major step down and i felt like there was way too much i I was under the impression like there was way too much studio involvement and i'm listening to the commentary on this bad bear and they're saying basically that they came to him they said we want a smart porkies right we want we haven't had like a sex comedy with a bunch of boobs in it for a long time. So we said, let's have Smith do this. So this is what he comes up with. He does mall rats and says and then when the producer says, I want a smart porkies, but I want to cut out all the raunch, which yeah. makes no sense to me whatsoever. And even yeah. Smith says during the commentary that the film is has no soul but and and a lot of heart. And I felt that was interesting. Cause that's I think that's definitely the story he's attempting to tell. Yeah. But the whole thing does kind of feel hollow to me. I have a couple very large problems with this film. It mm-hmm. has not aged well at all. And it is <laughs> exceptionally problematic at points too, which we can we can get into. Yes. Uh, but I'm more curious to kind of hear more about the, the development of the film. Yeah. So as you said, Universal was like, make us this movie. But they didn't want Jason Mewes to be Jay. I don't see what? how how that's a thing you even ask for um seth green was who they were gonna bring in if yeah. you couldn't get it together they looked at seth green and breck and meyer and they were like team green they wouldn't even pay for jay to have his own hotel room for the start of filming they were that against him he Jeez. had to like sleep in kevin smith's room like come on no and, and in jay's i think and we'll get into it near the end of the show and we'll talk about our favorite performances things we wrap up with and i i still feel he was an honorable mention for me in clerks And I'm actually on the fence still about calling my best performance. And he is, again, in the running. That's all I'll say for now. Yeah. I would say this is probably Jay's best performance out of all the movies. I think that's a preposterous statement. But that's fine. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. Now, I haven't Uh, seen a lot of these in years. so But I can't imagine 
Like Jane Silent Bob, Strike Back, right? I think that's, I don't I know. I got a feeling that's what, that one's where sit. I think he's the funniest in this because it's just, it's the right amount of Jay. Because I feel like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is like, we'll get to it when we get to it. But it's, it's a lot of Jay and Silent Bob, obviously. Sure. Because it's their movie finally, but I love Jay in this movie. So the I'm fact gonna, that they wanted, we're gonna pencil that down, and we'll revisit <laughs> this at the end when we blow through all the View Askew films. Uh, yeah, I, I want to have a serious reckoning about that statement. I think we should do that with everybody who plays at least who's in at least three movies. Okay. Circle back to what is our favorite, like Jason Lee. What is our favorite Ben Affleck? What is our favorite Jason Mewes? Let's do that. All right. It's good. Fine. <laughs> that can be our big looking Blow back. Yeah, yes. closing. Yeah, All that'll right. be great. <laughs> the concept of anybody else playing Jay is hilarious. But I guess you got to look at it from the studio's point of view. And it was like the director's stoner friend who like just was putting on roofs. Hmm. Uh, so like I get that you maybe don't want to give him the role. But what's funny is that uh, Kevin Smith really had a problem with Jeremy London as far as the acting goes. Mm. He he is savage to him as far as yes. looking back. He's like, he was stoned the whole time. He didn't know any of his lines. He's just constantly folding his arms and just trying to focus during the scene. Like, he's he's way harsh to him. I mean, and I got to say, like, I don't think TS is that great, but... I, I don't know. I mean, is that not what he wrote for the character? Because some of those lines, like, I don't understand how anyone is supposed to deliver the line. It looks like a stage is being erected. Looks like a stage is being erected. Like, how? No one has ever said that. Yeah. Like, what was he supposed to do? I don't know. I just, I feel like the lines written for T.S., they don't flow out of him well. But also, they just don't flow. Yeah, but a craftsman never blames his tools. I uh, I mean, I granted you can only work so much with what you got, but yeah, he is. We'll just say he's not a strong point of this film. No, and I don't know how much of. If you want to lay some of the blame at Smith, that's fine. I'm going ten, fifteen percent at Smith's feet. Yeah. I think and the rest of it, I think, just London, who is just not here. He's not. Yeah. I don't, he's not ready. He's not. I don't know what it is. I don't but know he's. he's but I could say that about a lot of people. I think in this too, unfortunately. Well, yeah. not so much, not as bad as Clerks, right? We don't have the stilted deliveries that you have in Clerks. And uh-huh. Jason Lee, this is his first big role, right? Yeah. So he pops yeah. up, and I think he's quite good, and I love him as as a Banksy, Banky, Banky. I always, I'm going to do that every time, <laughs> aren't I? So yeah. And of course, Chasing Amy being my favorite of the of all of them. We'll see how mm-hmm. that holds up next. But <laughs> there's a lot here that I just think doesn't really work so much unfortunately yeah ts is is a weak point for sure and i think it's pretty telling if you watch the trailer for this movie that the trailer makes it seem like this is all about brody and if you Mm -hmm. watch the movie like i mean brody is for sure more of a character on a journey than randall is if you're going to compare like dante and randall to brody and ts like sure the sidekick funny guy like he actually has a problem as well in the movie he solves it as well like he's he's not just comic relief and like there to comment on what's going on but the trailer makes it look like it's a movie about brody which makes the line hey why am i his sidekick all right how do you know he's not my sidekick 
pretty hilarious because it kind of ended up looking that way. Right. Pretty interesting. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Lee's like first big acting role. And he's pretty much presented as the star of the movie. Rounding out the cast, we have Claire Forlani as Brandy. Shannon Doherty as Renee. And future View as Universe Staples. Joey Lauren Adams as Gwen. And Ben Affleck as Shannon Hamilton. We get Michael Rooker as Brandy's father. Ethan Subley as Willem. And I think most notably, the film features Stan Lee in a cameo type role back before cameo was synonymous with right. Stan Lee. The whole scene that that starts where it takes Brody a second to like realize who it is. Every time I watch it, I'm like, how do you not know who he is? It's but, prepo- like, yeah, another, another thing that makes no sense. It's, but it's also like a totally different time because now like everybody has seen Stan Lee in a movie. Everybody has. But it's still a little like if you're a comic <laughs> geek in his old age. <laughs> if you're a comic geek that he professes to be, there's no way he doesn't know. He who also Stan didn't was. know he was even coming to the mall. You know, people say the man, the man's here. You know who that is? It's Stan yeah. the Man Lee. Any self-respecting comic book fan who I was, and I didn't have half the collection that uh, he has in this film. Yeah, would know. So there's a little, yeah. I feel like it should have been delivered more as pure disbelief and not like n- not realizing. Yes. Like just because why would he be there? But also mm-hmm. he knows that he should be there because he's been told earlier. <laughs> like he is aware of it. I'm I'm going to put that a little bit on the script mm-hmm. as far as that not not totally adding up. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we talked about how this movie basically bombed in the theaters. Uh, critical review wasn't so great. When did you see this for the first time? I think I saw it in the theater because I had gotten yeah. Clark's. Uh, I think I'd foreseen it on VHS and I absolutely loved it. So then I saw Mallrats in the theater. Uh, 1995. So I would have been, you know, four. And <laughs> no, I would have been two years out of high school at that point. Right. So I'm sure me and my buddies all went to go see it. And I remember being, I was oh. underwhelmed by it. I thought it was just okay. And it was a step down from Clark's. And. My revisit, I've softened on it a bit, but I think that's more my old age. I don't get as angry about things now as I used to back in the day. <laughs> Though yeah. I guess it depends, right? If we're talking it's like about like a parabola of rage, right? Like the snowman, <laughs> you know. That, there's certain movies that still get my ire up, where I'll, I want to punch the movie in the face. Mm. But Mallrats is—it's innocuous enough for me that I can—I take it for what it is. And what was trying to be done with it. And I cut it some slack. Basically, if I had to give it like a letter grade, I would say previously I probably gave it a C. Now I'd give it a C plus, right? It's really not that Mm. much better. And I still didn't enjoy it as much. And then again, this thing is very problematic. We have a bunch of hard R sores in this thing. I can't (laughs) tell you how many times the R word is used here. There's a bunch of dated pejorative gay jokes as well, Mm -hmm. including a scene that was rightfully trimmed um when shannon you get to see shannon gets his comeuppance i guess air quotes mm, yeah. at the end of the film in the extended cut and let's yeah. not shame certain sexual acts i have very dear friends of mine who are big fans of having sex in uncomfortable places <laughs> so i don't think you know i don't that's that's not fair i don't know what else oh i think yeah. the biggest thing here well there's two really big things there's a trish running gag mm, where there's a 15 yeah. year old woman sleeping with uh, older people, and then she mm-hmm. tells them she's fifteen. Yep. To get because she gets their 
consent to videotape it and everybody's yep. a-okay with mm-hmm. that everybody's fine with that so it's a little weird <laughs> what did shannon say like she told me she was like 32 or oh, something. I mean, he's just something like i thought like, she was 30 I she looked she was 36 i thought she was 36 oh. <laughs> so maybe she doesn't tell them she's 15 i don't know i don't but still it is weird but i think the grossest thing if i can say this and i know i'm this is no fun chris i get that it's okay how abusive quint is to brandy his reactions to everything are so out of proportion suitor number one if we fell in love how would you propose to me i propose to you right now I propose that you stop letting your father run your life and be true to yourself and not give up on somebody you know has value. And mm. so, like, how dare you want to help out your father when his things fall? That's the great the thing about this. You know what? Rooker is right. He is right from start to finish in this yeah. film. Yeah. T.S. is verbally abusive to her over yeah. and over again. He re- reacts like some petulant 14 year old kid or tw- no it's a 10 year old kid who can't have the toy he wants mm. and that, that just really sat every time he'd blow up because she had some reasonable request and yeah. it just it was bizarre to me he's very whiny he's a spoiled brat for sure he does nothing to deserve the happy ending that this film gives him nothing yeah that's fair yeah, I don't. I don't know what what Gwen's talking about when she's saying that he's a pretty great guy. I I didn't see it. Yeah, like what was she? What is it during the date scene, the the the, the game show scene where she's like, "What? Where would you? What kind of car would you be?" Suitor number one. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? Um, the kind you never dump your boyfriend in. He'd be like, "I'd be the kind of car that doesn't dump his his her boyfriend." Uh, you know, it's like. <laughs> He's a, he immediately attacks her, like, over and over again. Yeah, they're not a good couple. That's fair. They're not a good couple at all. He's a bad guy. <laughs> I also find her to be pretty obnoxious, though. Sure. Like, I just don't don't enjoy them at all, either one of them. No. Um, There's a couple doesn't... scenes, too, where her British accent is clearly slipping through. Oh, God. it's uh, So everything about her delivery frustrates me. I'm complaining a lot about this movie, and when I get to the rating, I'm gonna sound like an idiot. It's fine, <laughs> <laughs> but she actually she had them like reshoot all of her scenes that that are her like solo shots on the truth or date mm-hmm. thing because she was like, I sound too British. I need to do this again. So that's her trying really, really yeah. hard to not sound British. She's not nailing it. Yeah, like, even then, even the reshoots aren't that good. No, not but she's a major weak point in this movie for me at least like i've been aware of (laughs) smith's frustration with jeremy london for as long as i've been aware of the movie Mm -hmm. so i almost kind of like how mad kevin smith is at jeremy london for how shitty he is in the movie makes me not as bothered by it because i'm like oh well it's known that he's shitty in the movie yeah versus i've never heard him say anything about claire forlani and so i'm like oh she's the worst i don't that's not really fair that I'm just I'm like forgiving London because I I'm aware that he's bad in it. It doesn't really work that way, but it it definitely affects how annoyed I am about it. He does mention it in the commentary, but he he's it's not with the same vitriol that he no, applies to London. Mad it's more like London. he just says like she's very British, very yeah. very. British. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, she she really is though. I I wish Joey Lauren Adams had played Brandy. I think. Yeah, but that could have robbed been... us of Alyssa, which is not something I would have be I'd be comfortable with. I yeah, mean, she plays a different role here, but that's a much larger role. Yeah, it definitely like chasing Amy never would have happened quite the same way if she'd done this. I I don't think, but yeah, like no. I can't help but wish she she just played that role instead because she's. She's really great in this, and she does almost nothing. And Brandy sucks, and she has so much to say. Yeah. So that's really my uh, my reasoning behind that. I know it changes everything. There's like a you know butterfly effect of all of that. But like if isolated incident, I could change it. I totally would. What do you think about Shannon Doherty? I again, it's one of those that I I find it entertaining because of the outside world i don't watch the movie like within itself that sounds weird Mm -hmm. but i'm just i mean i'm so aware of who shannon doherty was at that time and then like everything we knew about shannon doherty after like i i think it's super hilarious to me that she's like i want to change my outfit every scene because I would if I was at the mall, which is not true. That's not how shopping works. But you're just scamming Kevin Smith to get like free clothes. Yeah. Like how much money do you have to have? And you're still scamming people for free clothes. I love the hustle. I feel like she really kind of I feel like Shannon Doherty is a more interesting character than Renee. <laughs> very, very possible. So, I know. So yeah. was she fired off of Beverly Hills down to or did she quit? I can't remember how that shook out. I, I don't know. I'm. Because this was because she did this right after that, right? It was like the following year, or maybe in the was off it not still or... going on? I don't know. So according oh. to to the Wikipedia page, she was on yeah. it from from ninety one through ninety four, right? Oh, so it was right after. And then when they filmed this in ninety four and released it in ninety five, right? Or they filmed yeah. it in early ninety five? I can't remember. Um, so, I think early ninety five. Yeah, because Clerks was ninety four. So yeah, you're yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. I thought she was fine in this. I actually didn't have yeah. an issue with her really at all. But she's mostly, I think, a non-presence, as are, I think, most of the women in these films so far. Uh, except maybe Julie Lauren Adams is Gwen. But even then, kind of, I just don't know. She's not... You don't buy the fact that she's still pining over T.S. because he's such an unreal... Oh, no, she's pining over Brody. Brody. That's yeah. right. Okay. I don't, I don't feel like she's, you know, regretting her breakup at all. But I do feel like she has the good burns. Like mm-hmm. she has the best lines to kind of tear him apart. Yeah. And yeah, I I think she gets some great stuff to do in this. I think sh- she's funny to me and she's also really mean, but I, like mean in a way that I'm like, yeah, he deserves that. You tell him, tell him some more things that he's uh, yeah. not good at. <laughs> like yeah. these, these boys need to be told off. Yeah, he's not very likable either. There's very much a big case of arrested development, both of these characters. In fact, I'd even possibly say that Dante and Randall are more mature and advanced than these two gentlemen are in this film. But of course, they are older, right? Because they're yeah. in their 20s, and these guys are supposed to be, air quotes, they, in their are they in early college? 20s? Are they I in mean, college? Yeah. Uh, oh, so they'd be CS roughly the same age then. are in college, so they're supposed to be sort of like, I don't know, 20, maybe? Okay. Because... The, they say, uh, Brody says to him, like, you're still in college. Like, why do you want to get married? And he's like, we'll go get married after college. So right. reasonably, I mean, the latest it could be is their senior year. And then they're like 20, 21. Like, these are young people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 20-year-old men are so stupid. 
I no, think I certainly this was. is accurate. <laughs> you know, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe uh, London's T.S. Quint is some uh, just maladjusted kid working through some really hard emotions who grew up in a you know a disjointed family. Doesn't know how to relate to people or women yeah. specifically. I mean, we we know almost nothing about T.S. So, mm. so that's fun. Well, I'm, he's still able to bring a real depth to the character, so you can really. Uh... <laughs> I think I saw this movie for the first time when I was in college. Mm -hmm. I don't remember when exactly. It was just, again, it was like Clerks is one of those that like I was just sort of watching it a lot. One night in particular, I went out with a friend and had way too much to drink and was going to sleep on her couch. And I was like, I'll watch Mallrats while I'm falling asleep. And then, you know, totally zonked out and woke up to the DVD menu like on a loop. Like it's just, it repeats like the... Like the sound effects that are playing when Silent Bob is like flying towards the stage. It's it's a very short loop. Yeah. I feel like I may have some permanent brain damage for how long. <laughs> like I was asleep listening to that, those sounds. Yeah, it's a quick one. It's a quick S- loop. Speaking of the sounds, what do you think? I, I always focus in on this stuff because I'm a huge fan of movie scores. <laughs> yeah. I really hated the score for this film. Oh, no. <laughs> it was so like sweeping but had a very soap opera feel to it at times and i just every every time some strings something would swell up i'd be like Come on, really i stick with the alternative 90s rock stuff all right it just didn't fit i think for the rest of the film the score it really it's it's not good i don't think at all oh i liked it <laughs> <laughs> i really do like it like all the weird shit about this movie makes me like it um there's a there's a part of the movie where i don't know if i can find the clip for it but it's like the sounds and then it's dude you're the man chick magnet and that's literally like the lead-in to an mxpx song chick magnet that i was listening to for years before i ever saw mall rats and Mm. it was one of those things when i saw the movie i'm like wait what like that was already in my brain i didn't know what it was from um so I all that stuff super stands out to me because it is it's weird. It's definitely an odd mix of things going on, but I'm here for it. I yeah. like the weirdness. Yeah. I like the weird. Fair enough. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of weird, were you okay with the recasting of Willem? Yes, because I I love Ethan Supley so much. <laughs> like so much. He's one of my favorite parts of this movie. He cracks me up every time, even like to the end when they're doing the sort of like telling everyone's future, like what's going to happen with them. And he Mm. just kind of looks up because the caption says that he finally sees the sailboat. And he's like, yeah, (laughs) like it's so great. You dumb bastard. (laughs) Literally cracks me up every time it happens. Oh, my gosh. He's one of my favorites. Well, at Love least we, we still got Mosier in the film as the yeah. as what the line producer, or whatever the producer of the show. So yes, and he got to do the one of my favorite lines too. You called down the thunder. Well, now you got it from Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really great. I really do enjoy the hell out of this movie for how weird and random the lines are. Like, I understand why this didn't do well in in theaters. I don't know that it works as like go see it once and then like walk away and be like, oh, that was, you know, a movie like this is this is made for 
putting on with your friends and just watching it a bunch of times and just like having it on like while people are hanging out like Kevin Smith movies are made for I mean these early ones at least are made for the the home movie market like I love that he was doing all these commentaries on the movies uh, on Laserdisc and DVD <laughs> the audio commentary for Mallrats was recorded in 1999 so we get like movie star Ben Affleck but like not Batfleck yet like he's yeah. not broken yet he's still like goofing around and being silly and like talking about how he was so excited for reshoots because it meant an extra 250 bucks like it's just kind of like really nice to hear that versus all the new movies that come out the commentary are from you know people like right after the movies come out and they're talking about it and it's just it's not really the same type of experience that you get from it so I really do love that his older movies, the commentaries and like clerks where he came back and did a second one. There's just a lot more insightful than just listening to something that maybe the director recorded like while it was still in theaters. You know, I think that's a a really good point. In fact, I would hesitate to say, or not hesitate apparently that I think (laughs) I enjoyed the commentary uh, of the making of the film more than perhaps even the film itself. And the highlight of it being this time around with Jay, I believe the first time I may have said is Affleck. He is a blast. In fact, I probably laughed more listening to this commentary mm. than I did watching the film, unfortunately. Particularly <laughs> near the end where Affleck goes on this like five-minute jag about the experience of making the movie that is quite hilarious. If you haven't watched yeah. it with a commentary, you really should. It's basically kind of like a frat party. The guys are just hanging out, reminiscing. I think they're, what are they on the set of Dogma is when they're recording mm-hmm. this? Yeah, so yeah, it's 99. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun to kind of hear that and revisit the film where you get the inside stuff. You get the fact, you know, that London couldn't remember his lines. You know, you get the, how British Forlani is, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was really interesting. And Affleck is an absolute delight in that yeah. commentary. Yeah, he was, he's a very entertaining to listen to. Like, And you could tell it, it's just a bunch of friends hanging out and kind of yeah. revisiting the film together. So Yeah, it's cool that they... they you know, put it together when they did. I really enjoyed it. And it's funny, like you said, just thinking, you know, he's going to be Batman, you know, in yeah. what, like 10 years or whatever yeah. the time frame is. It's just crazy to think yeah. about that guy's progress. Like you said, though, I think like, no, you you haven't said this yet. I'm cutting you off at your knees here. <laughs> what was I, what was I going to say? In your notes about Aflac being basically a big star at this point, right? Goodwill oh, yeah, Hunting yeah, had that. come yeah. out. You know, he had done some other stuff. He was the bomb in Phantoms. So there's, (laughs) you know, he was kind of a big star, but he's still just hanging out, you know, with the guys watching Mallrats again, you know, which was complaining, making sure that none of his lines were cut, right? Because his family was going to go watch the movie because he actually had scored a role in a film, you know, all this really kind of nice moments. Yeah. 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 He's still like fresh enough that he's still a little cranky that he wasn't on the poster. Mm -hmm. But like... (laughs) <laughs> but but he is like famous enough that he's like why aren't i on the poster <laughs> like, <laughs> he has a point it's just funny for you know kevin smith to be like i mean we didn't know who you were gonna be <laughs> like we had no way of knowing sorry man you raise an interesting point i want to cut back a couple of minutes yeah uh so you stated too that the film didn't perform well right it lost money oh, yeah. though it had a life of its own yes on home video totally Wikipedia refers to this film as a cult classic. I think that's a step too far. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, 
it may have found its audience on home video, but I don't. There's no one's doing midnight showings of mall rats that I'm aware of. So I feel like I feel like the comparison I can make for this movie is this feels and I know you don't like it, so you're probably not going to like this comparison. <laughs> it feels feels like a Scott Pilgrim kind of thing. Didn't do that well. Found an audience later. If you go back and watch it now, you're like, I'm sorry, who's in this movie? Who? That one too? Yeah. Like Superman's in that one. It feels kind of like that to me where I wouldn't consider Scott Pilgrim versus the world a cult classic, but I don't, I think it's the same kind of thing. Like it's a step below cult classic. It found its life later and it, yeah. it has an audience. Then I think it's just uh, some movies aren't made for the theater. I guess so. You know what's it, that is fascinating because I just finished today. It's a bit of a, a tangent. It's leaving the Criterion Channel, I think, tomorrow. So by the time this is posted, you'll you'll will not You're be aware. You're screwed, of it. everyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can probably still track down the DVD, and I think a Blu-ray is coming. I don't know if the commentary is going to be included, but one of the better commentaries you'll ever hear is between Steven Soderbergh and uh, what's oh crap, what's the guy's name? The writer on it. Dan Hobbs, I want to say, but no, Lem Dobbs. Yeah, a little off there. Eh, that was close. But they talk about basically that exact thing. How, well, Hobbs does, or Dobbs. I'll get there. Dobbs, <laughs> how the, the Hollywood kind of model has shifted with the rise of the air quotes independent film, which yeah. tend to be more ensemble pieces, but still have relatively high budgets. There's no B movies anymore, right? There's no pictures mm -hmm. that are made for that kind of small market. Your straight-to-DVD stuff tends to be all kind of crap. There's no small-budget, kind of good-quality films really so much anymore. Which I can take a little bit of an issue with that. Mallrats would fall into that category if it was, you know, really good. Which you say it is. I cannot stop laughing during this whole movie. I don't it cracks get me up. that. It cracks me up. Like, oh my gosh, it's so funny to me. All right, one. Well. <laughs> like I truly, I watched this movie twice to get ready for this, and back to back days. Like I just heard these jokes, and I'm still laughing again. Like I, I don't know, man. I think it's fucking hilarious. I enjoyed it, but I didn't find it <laughs> hilarious. I would smile, like, I would smirk, and I'd go, "Oh ah! my god!" And that would be it. The, the schematic they draw and they point to LaFour's stupid hat cracks me up every time. I had one of those at one point. <laughs> it just it's like LaFour's, LaFour's stupid hat. Like the little arrow pointing to him. How is that not the funniest thing? Like it's, I don't know. This movie is so many more laughs like per spread out throughout the movie than a lot of things that come out now. I don't know. I, I think it's it's just so silly. Mm -hmm. I love I'm it and I'm not, it. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> so I love it, but I am very, very concerned about a sequel. I, a sequel? I don't think I'm going to love that. Yeah. You know, like all those memes at the beginning of quarantine, like mm -hmm. Shakespeare wrote King Lear. Well, Kevin Smith wrote Mallrats too <laughs> during quarantine. So what he said was 25 years after the original, Brody Bruce will be back for an unnecessary sequel set against the mallpocalypse. 
So yeah, it's going to happen because he tried to do a TV show and it just kept like running into issues of like what platform would it be on network dropping it and never really came to fruition. But yeah, he wants to do Mallrats too. He's written it. It says 98 pages. So he wrote that it's his favorite conceptual comedy he's ever written. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'll see it for sure. I'll see it if they ever get to make it. You know, you have to have yeah. production open up again. But yeah, Mole Rats too. Okay. The mall is so depressing now. I not that I would go right now anyway, hmm. but whenever I used to go, even just you know six months to a year ago, it would just be walking around an empty store after empty store, dodging the guys in the kiosks who were like yelling at you to like you know get some cell phone service. Um, those mall guys are so creepy. So yeah, yeah, malls are are sad. Like. I know the mall is an important part of this movie, so it kind of feels like you can't do it anymore because who goes to the mall? Mm-hmm. Like nobody does. No. It used to be a destination, and it's just not anymore. So I don't really see how. Uh... Thanks a lot, Amazon. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so much better. <laughs> I just get stuff brought to me. It's fantastic. <laughs> and again, like no harassment from the guy in the kiosks. There was this one kiosk at my old mall that I would go to, and it was a hand lotion place. And I don't know how it happened, but like he got me and he was like putting the lotion on my hands and like doing the scrub first and then the lotion. He was like, oh, you got to buy this. You got to buy this. And I didn't know how to get out of it. So I just said, I'm sorry, I can't buy it. I'm not allowed to spend money without my husband being present. (laughs) And he froze up completely and I walked away. That is I just hilarious. didn't know what else to do. I was like, ah, I'm not allowed to make financial decisions. Wow. Yeah. Good yeah. for you, it's, I guess. It's pretty much the uh, same move I have whenever I go to like TJ Maxx or somewhere that wants to get me to get their credit card. Because hmm. I always say, no, no, I would be irresponsible with that. And they can't <laughs> come back to that. Like, are you interested in getting our TJX card today? I'm like, no, no, no. I'd be so irresponsible. They just, they have to stop. How about two? Oh. <laughs> So one of the yeah. central theses, thesis, the, one of my ideas is <laughs> that I think that though granted he goes too far, I I am a firm believer that Michael Rooker's Jared Svenning, right, Randy's <laughs> dad, is yeah. in the right. This is a man who's trying to provide for his family, and this J O T S Quint keeps screwing things up. If you've seen the original opening of the film, which runs for an interminable 20 plus minutes, unfortunately, it's, it's too long and it's not really that funny. If you're not familiar, it's, they're just putting on a play or something because the governor has gotten a given check to, to Rooker to help his organization. Something. I don't remember. That's how big an impact it had on me, even though I just watched <laughs> it like a week ago. T.S. blows everything up. He screws everything up and causes everything to fall through and then for them to lose the money. So now... Rooker has to come up with this dating show idea to kind of maybe salvage his career. And every time they mention it, it's like he, Quint has screwed something up. And of course the guy, and Quint is a screw up and he's verbally abusive to his daughter, right? So of course he wants him nowhere around. Does he go too far? Sure. But I think 
Centrally, he is correct. I realized that the other night didn't go very well for you. Uh, and I realize I'm to bear most of the blame for that. Yes, uh, you do. But hey, it was a grant that would have enabled the station and myself to make the leap into syndication Bible programming. Leaving me, of course, no choice but to peddle this show to the network execs and beg for a job. No big deal. Well, it's, it's, it's okay. And for that, I'm sorry. But, but to penalize Brandy and I, I, I mean, our relationship for that, I mean, come on, isn't there some other way? I, I'm, no, I'm afraid not, no. I mean, I can't exactly ask Brandy to marry me if we... Marry you? Marry Yeah, uh, oh, uh, yeah, I was gonna ask her to marry me when we got to Florida. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, I think, yeah, he's right. Like he's trying to, he's trying to, to work. Like he has a job to do. Mm. He has people to take care of. And this bratty kid who's dating his daughter is, um, you know, stupid and selfish and ruining things. Verbally abusive to his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. She just sucks though. like i don't like any of those three yeah i never really felt like in watching it i i never really felt like michael rooker's character was like that bad Mm -hmm. air quotes like i was like oh well he's like kind of mean dad but also he's not really wrong he's just kind of mean dad like i feel a little unhinged yeah i mean just a, a little bit but i like fully expected him to i guess really you can look at it where if they make up, if they come to sort of an understanding with each other, mm-hmm. then it kind of changes how he appears. Because we got plenty of other movies out there with like the dad doesn't like the boyfriend. And by the end of it, he's you know pats him on the back. He's like, you know, you're OK. We don't get that. The movie doesn't care for them to have a relationship. You can't <laughs> you can't help but consider that like we see in like the closing credits like, oh, they get married on the you know the jaws part of the ride i i don't see michael rooker there that is going to be a nightmare of a relationship the dad hates him this isn't gonna work out there's no way that ts and brandy are still together no i don't think so. <laughs> like it's not happening so i think the film functions much better in its abbreviated version that 94 yes. minutes works a totally. lot better than the two hour one does and no, which is interesting because they did do a lot of reshoots or this uh, uh, ADR where they had to re you know record dialogue over specific scenes because they just didn't mm-hmm. make sense because some of the driving plot points focused around the fact that like he was going to be arrested like the police were after him because mm-hmm. it looked like they were, they mistakenly thought he was trying to assassinate the governor or something at one point yes yeah, right too much it's just yeah too many it is, things it is entirely too much you're entirely right about that. So it was just funny. Then that's another thing you listen to the commentary where they kind of tackle. Right, here's the scene we had to re-record the, the we had to do the ADR because it, it just didn't make sense what we were gonna yeah. what we were talking about because we had cut that whole sequence. Thankfully, yeah. it just it doesn't work. Unfortunately, none of the stuff that got cut should be in it. 
as much as I praise the whole like, oh, so cool of them in 1999 to make the DVD and do the commentary and do all of that. Just because you have this cut footage doesn't mean it's beneficial to everyone to know what you didn't include because mm. you cut it for a reason. It's not the extended ending of Clerks, which like really, really changes the feeling of it, but also was saying something and had like a, a purpose as far as Kevin Smith was concerned that he then kind of took out for the sake of the overall film. But but all this stuff is just sort of like. I'm going to I'm going to chalk it up to it being the time that you could throw all that stuff on Laserdisc or DVD and make a bunch more money off of it. And if you say that we've got 45 minutes of cut footage, like that's the kind of stuff I used to go ape shit over on Amazon when I was in college. Yeah. I was like, hold on, there's how much footage I'm buying this like. <laughs> It was a selling point like sure. for, for the, us movie weirdos. And I'm not going to judge the movie against the stuff they didn't include because they didn't include it. No, I guess that's fine. I just feel that it, if this was Smith's intended vision, then uh, it, it just doesn't. It's, it's not that. It's not very good. No, it the, makes a, 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 a middling film uh, even longer and drier and even less funny, unfortunately. For me. So I have praise for Rooker. And I think if I want to talk about what I think is my favorite performance in this film, is it going to be Lee? No. Is it Ben Affleck? Uh, could be. His Shannon was one of the more fun things about it. But in the end, I think I have to settle on Rooker. This motherfucker Ooh. shaved his head. And he's just because they're trying to figure out what, you know different aspects of the character. And he, I think he really sells those vomiting shots. I think he does a great job with that. And he was able to kind of deliver some of the lines I wish I could have said to Jeremy London's character to really <laughs> hurt him. So in the end, I think the performance I enjoyed the most is my boy Rooker. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to give my best performance to him. Where do you come down? I got to go Brody. Like Jason Lee is so funny in this. He has all my favorite lines. I'm so glad they didn't cast Adam Sandler or Steve Zahn. Like, Were those people in the running? Yes. Oh, I don't think that would have worked either. Not at all. <laughs> like, Jason Lee is Brody. Like, it's... I mean, he's no Daniel Day-Lewis, but still, I just don't... <laughs> he does just, seem perfectly suited for this role. He's so perfect for this. I think, I think probably my favorite little bit that he does is the part where Renee is just like tearing him down in the mall and just like mm -hmm. telling him like I'm not going to put up with any of your shit anymore because I don't have to and she's just listing all of the dumb stuff he's done and he's like taking it in but he just keeps looking like to the side like mugging for someone I don't know who like we never know like who he's making these faces at it's just it takes this scene and it like just he's just how stupid he's being in that moment is just underlying all of her lines it's just like she's so right about how dumb and childish he is. He can't even listen to her. But like he does it without you hating him. Yeah. He's he's such an idiot and he's so oblivious, but he's so charming. That's fair. No, yeah. He's definitely <laughs> in the running for me. Absolutely. Yeah. So I then, I thought he's great. But then what's your favorite reference for this one? To this view of skew universe, or I guess, or outside of it, what what did you end up going with? So outside, I just have to blanket say Jaws. Just T.S. and Brody just going about their business and they just think the Jaws ride is the most romantic thing in the world. Just just how it keeps coming back is very, very funny to me. The whole Death Star stage demolition is great, but 
I just love the subtleness of how like we're never going to address that these two guys think that Jaws is the greatest thing and that their names are T.S. and Brody. We're just never going to talk about it. Yeah. Like like that's Points. the kind of yeah. restraint you don't expect in a Kevin Smith movie. No, that's a fair point. So, yeah. You're entirely right about that. That is a good pick. I, I'm not 100% on this one. I guess I'm leaning towards just the inclusion of Julie Dwyer and how we could tie it into Clerks. Mm. And how it's impetus basically for everything that happens uh, yeah. with uh, London's characters, you know, or I should say with, with Claire Forlani's character breaking up with him because of, again, his unreasonable reaction to the death of somebody because he can't get his way to take his girlfriend to Florida, which I know he plans on proposing to her. But even yeah. then, it's, it's, I yeah, don't he's know. mad at Julie for dying. Yeah. Like he's mad at her. <laughs> Why? That's not an appropriate reaction. Not at all. Not at all. So you found this thing to be absolutely hilarious. Yes, so I think this is like the funniest thing. I need you to pick one. What's one gag? What's one joke that was your tops? What's your top shelf joke? So the my my problem with this is that I think if this is like <laughs> it's a line from I think it's from the Mindy Project where she's like, best friend is not a title, it's a tier. It's like it's a <laughs> level of of things so it is almost impossible for me to choose just one thing because there are so many things that make me laugh every single time but i think i gotta go with just like the subtlety and randomness of ethan Supley looking at renee and just going brenda <laughs> and she just goes dick and hits him and marches away like it's so fucking funny to me but there's a million things that make me laugh in this Especially you, dumb bastard. That is a uh, no. That is rock solid. You dumb bastard. <laughs> like the delivery, the weird way he paces it out, and that he's saying it to like a nine-year-old kid. <laughs> so the thing that that that's a good pick. The thing that made me laugh the hardest is probably this moment, right? I think it's it's this got to be this one. Who's your favorite new kid? <sighs> Call me Joey. Uh, yeah, don't make me get loose. Uh, yeah, call me Donnie. Come on. Uh, yeah, please don't go. So it's <laughs> it's the please don't go is the cherry on top of that. Yes. Sunday, which involves statutory rape, or yeah. you know, she is yeah. underage, right? So it's yeah. not a statutory rape. It's, it's underage. Anyway, let's yeah. move on from that. Yeah, set, setting all of that aside. But that's not. <laughs> Ended up being my favorite moment, my favorite gag. You know what it ends up, what it is? Yeah. What? It's the smallest and possibly simplest, I think, joke, and it happens two or three times in the film. It's whenever Jay refers to Bo Silent Bob in some derogatory manner, calling him a tubby bitch, or whatever the case may be, and Smith's earnest, hurt look at him, he's kind of like... <laughs> Oh, come on, man. You know, <laughs> with just his eyes. Yeah. I laugh out loud every time it happens because you could he looks like genuinely hurt, even yeah. though Jay is it, it's all snoogans, right? Which means he's kidding. But still, it's Smith's absolutely deadpan perfect response is yeah. what gets me every time with just that subtle like puppy dog hang down look that he gives him. Like, oh come on, buddy. I know. Yeah. Silent Bob is great in this movie. Just Poor guy is trying so hard. And yeah, just keep smacking the cigarette out of his hand. Like, yeah. like come on. 
nobody has time for his bullshit until he is needed to save the day. Exactly. Underappreciated. Right. So it's time. Um, um, how do you want to handle this? Because I know you're going to have a relatively <laughs> high score. Mine's going to be middling at best. I think this is going to be the movie that we're the furthest apart. Very likely. I absolutely love watching this movie. I will watch it anytime. Anytime somebody says, hey, you want to watch Mallrats? Like, yes, 100%. I want to watch Mallrats. Um, it could finish and I could start it over. I love this movie. I'm giving it 4.5 on our movie rating. Jesus. That's out of five, folks. Out yeah, of five. It's not I a 10. I love it. It's five. I love it. Mallrats is two and a half. I initially had two, but you were able to sweet talk me into two and a half. <laughs> So okay, but that's the best I can do. It's oh, it's I love it. It's slightly so below average. A three movies would be average for me, and it's two and a half, and it's it's disappointing. I think the show will still continue, <laughs> but yeah, I'm uh, unfortunately Mallrats hasn't aged ex- exceptionally well. The jokes still, uh, I don't think, quite are there too much, and. Uh, I don't know. It was just it's revisiting it wasn't the uh the release or the uh renewal for me that I thought it might, I was hoping it might actually be. So, I've <laughs> softened on it a bit, but I think that's just due to my age and I'm much more accepting now than I used to be. Gotcha. So, two and a half golden mm-hmm. movies on my end. Yeah. Yeah. Fair hey, enough. Man, I think it's hilarious. You're welcome to your opinion. I watch a lot of quote-unquote comedies these days that don't make me laugh. Well, what would make anybody laugh nowadays, really? (laughs) All right. So you've heard how we feel about these movies. We want to know how you feel. You can send us your thoughts, opinions, feelings, anger. Prayers. Oh, please send prayers. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers, please. To screenrunfun at (laughs) gmail.com. You can also find uh, myself on Twitter at the Lady One. That's W A N for one. And you can find Chris on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle, Chris? Um, the uh, the the illicit one with all the uh, lewd <laughs> photos is going to be at uh, CGP Scalzo at twitter.com. You or you can check us me out on the other show uh, at the first run. Yeah, yeah. You can also find. Fun things from the other show I do at Screen Fix Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Did I say CGP Scalzo at Twitter.com? I don't think that's how that works, right? It's Twitter.com slash. And and I'm wrong. It's CG Scalzo. So capital C, capital G, S is in. What's up? And then Calzo. (laughs) C A L Z O. CG Scalzo. I'll get there. That's that's fine. (laughs) That's perfect. Perfect. So you can find the show everywhere you listen to podcasts. Whatever your app of choosing is, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And uh, tell someone that you like like a little bit. Tell them about the show. Good times. Yeah. Don't tell your best friend yet, but like tell someone that you're like kind of talking to. Tell them. Yeah. Do you think you like them? Could they like you? Yeah. You know, could it maybe go somewhere? Who knows? Yeah. You got to see. You got to have something to talk about. So tell them to listen to this and then you guys can talk about that and be like, man, like she's so annoying. Yeah. So you guys can bond over that. (laughs) I have nothing to say to that. Okay. Perfect. (laughs)
Well, thanks everybody for listening. And I guess we'll see you again next time with... Gonna be a big one. Chasing Amy. This is the holy grail for me. This is number one. Numero uno, as they say. I'm gonna have to prepare, like, delicately. I don't wanna upset you if I don't like something about it. I'm terrified I'm not gonna. When was the last time you watched it? I have not watched Chasing Amy in probably... I have not watched probably this decade, if not <gasps> oh this boy. century. I wouldn't oh be surprised boy. I haven't watched it since the, since the late 90s. I watched it like Early a aughts? month and a Early half aughts. ago. <laughs> so. Month and a half ago. Yeah, it's on Good Netflix. Good for you. Quarantine, man. I've watched half of what's on Netflix at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, early aughts. I watched the wrong the Missy. For me. What am I doing with my life? <sighs> we'll right. see how it goes. Next episode. We'll get into it. Tune in. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye.